Good evening, it's Friday night, it is Three Amigos night, and uh, my name's Steve Rape, it is NUFC Matters, and uh, wow, over 200 rate to watch the show tonight is always great. Uh, wow, what a week this has been. Uh, we thought it was only right that we got Keith back, he's uh, back again by popular demand, and we thought with everything that's been going on, what with the Super League, the takeover, and, and everything else, it would be great to get a, a good friend of the show on who's uh, been on before, John Woff. Uh, so special special welcome to you, John. Good to have you back. Uh, one of the uh, main members of the Magpie group was Sir John Hall, of course. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you, mate. Good to see you. Keith, we uh, will come with you, mate. And um, it's been a hell of a week as well for Kit Kat because uh, I did put that out there at the start of the week. That's definitely a sign. And that wasn't Nick DeMarco. That was me. Uh, the Zebra Kit Kat. Uh, that's got to be a positive, surely, Keith. It's got to be. That hasn't come by chance. That's come by us. That, but yeah, I'll get the. I'll, if if somebody gets food poisoning, I'll get the blame. I know that. <laughs> um, it's been a it's been a balmy week. Um, it's been from, from our point of view, also of mine. It's been an exciting week. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this week. Um, there's lots happening. There's lots going to happen. Um, but what I don't want to do today is is use this window because I know you've got two hundred people waiting, and you know, you'll get eight hundred plus people coming on here and then thousands watching it. And I don't want people to be misled. So I think tonight what we've got to do is there's a lot of things going round. I mean, in a normal week, Jose Mourinho leaving um, Spurs would have been the lead story, and that you know they said that on telly last night. He's barely been mentioned uh, because there's so much happened. So. First thing, ESL, European Super League. Um, I predict this in a letter on the 5th of August, uh, Masters told them about what the six were doing, named them and told them that they were going to do a breakaway. Um, told the club, told Boris. And then this week, Boris Johnson's come round and said it's a cartel. He's actually quoted it's a cartel, our own Prime Minister. Yet government can't get involved. Well, let's tell you, they have to get involved when there's a cartel operating in Great Britain. They don't have a choice. So they've got to do it. But... The six clubs that did it, there's no surprise. Um, best quip of the week I saw was where somebody said, you know, Spurs think they're elite clubs like me walking in the Crucible and put 50 pence on the table, which is, 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 is about par with, with what they are. Arsenal aren't a super team, you know. Um, the league table tells you that. Um, they've not troubled the Champions League spots for three years. But the only thing I kept reading it was... was what will come next? Neil Mitchell was telling us that there's certain things will happen this way. When this comes out, he, he, he started talking two or three days ago about blame. And I was thinking, what's he on about? And everything that lad's predicted is being called true and come out. So for me, for me, um, I've probably thought of this differently. The six clubs done it. I posted straight away that I think they should get a hundred million pound fine each. I think it should be paid into a trust and 600 million should be paid off over five years to just needed causes by a team of football fans, they know what they're doing and a team of executives and they should manage that fund and make sure that those 12 teams that were in danger don't go bust. Next thing I said, they should get a two-year transfer ban, stop them buying up all the best players. They should get 20 points deducted and they should get an EU ban, can't play in Europe for two years. And then that, what I'll do is I'll level off what they've been achieving by running a colluded cartel. Um, but my thoughts switch straight back to Newcastle. How does it affect us? How does it affect the takeover? 
and being a bit of a optimist, I hoped that the tree would shake and, the, and, and things would fall out. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, had a, I had a mindset that uh, they would go straight to, um, to Justin Barnes and say, look, we want to talk to you and get Nick DeMarco in and let's do a deal. And that's what I would do to avoid this becoming public. But that isn't happening. That hasn't happened. Um, they, they're standing firm. So what I'm doing now is my mind's switching. And I think there's lots going to happen over the next week. I think you'll see a lot happening in the next seven days. Um, and for me, my focus has gone on to uh, two people, Richard Masters and uh, Mr. Hoffman. What did you really know? And I think the only way you'll ever find out what they know is if you get disclosure and if you get them on oath to say what part they had in those six teams breaking away and at what point did they know they were going to break away. Because if you read the story in the, in the Guardian, it tells you clearly that they had secret meetings with the four, without the 14 present. They had meetings with the big six about the big picture without the 14 present. And that transgressed to, to, to being the European Super League. So at what stage did the people running the English Premier League know about this European Super League? My guess as a punter, which I'm allowed to say, this is an illegal opinion, is they knew right up to it happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't given heads ups and all the rest of it along the uh, I'm sure they're going to wipe text and wipe the WhatsApps at the minute, but you can't wipe digital. So my feeling is the EPL has been at it and they are in with the big six. I don't think you'll see any punishments or any fines. And I think that Masters saying that they're going to be relieved of their uh, committee positions was just a load of gobswash. So that's me, guys. All right, good stuff, Keith. Good assessment. And uh, Neil, wow. I mean, you know, you, you should be having the title of Mystic Mystic Mag. You've, you've predicted so much of what's gone on over the last 12 months. He's done, he has. He, you, you said it yourself, though, Keith. He has, hasn't he? He's, he's, you know, everything he said, everything Neil has said has been fairly fairly on the money. And um, yeah, this this whole Super League thing, as we discussed last night with Super Mac and Gibbo as well, you know, Super Mac was talking about it 15 years ago. So it shouldn't have come as a surprise. But it's the timing of it, Neil, for me. And I've described it in layman's terms as a, a bit like the Scooby-Doo moment at the end of the cartoon where the, villain's, the villain is unmasked and he goes, if it wasn't for those pesky kids, we're at that kind of, we're at that kind of moment now, aren't we, with, uh, with the top six? Well, you see why me and Steve have been banging on about where the threat and where the money was coming from for the last year and a half. Because everybody you speak to in certain circles of the game pretty much knew what was coming and where it was coming from. Um, what I think you've, you've, what actually I think scuppered them a little bit was Project Big Picture. I think they wanted to get that that under underway and settled so they then had the voting power in the Premier League yeah, yeah. and then go away to the Super League and no one was then able to stop them. And the, the loss of P, Project Big Picture stifled them. It's interesting to see the clubs that were reticent to join were the ones that we've been talking about <clears throat> were, the stop, were the ones that were stopping the breakaway earlier. Chelsea and Man City were the last to join. And their excuse seems to be, well, we didn't like it, but we just went along with it, which is bollocks as well. You know, <clears throat> and now what you're going to see from here, and it's already started, already started, is those clubs squirming and turning and misdirecting and trying to pull the wool over people's eyes about who knew what, where and when. And it also wouldn't surprise me eventually to see 
one of them break and start to turn on each other. And that's when it'll get really interesting. And it'll be one of the London clubs that breaks first. It'll be it'll be Arsenal or Spurs. That'll be my next prediction. Is who coughs, who coughs, who go, comes up and says, actually, this is what was all going on, and here's the evidence. And it'll be one of them two. Very yeah, interesting. That. Yeah, go on, go on, John. What's your take on it, mate? Well, I'm afraid. Uh quite different to a lot of people because <clears throat> what they've done is they've cocked it up. They actually could have achieved it in a different way, but they've now actually assisted the whole country in getting up against them. If they'd done it in a more subtle way, they would have actually achieved it. And now, because of their incompetence, it's dead. And that is, in my opinion, why there'll be very little from any of them. And <clears throat> unfortunately, news media always moves on. And the level of the story will lessen and lessen. And I think that's the track that they'll be looking to follow. But... I also think that now is the time for the other 14 clubs to do something that will work very, very well. And although it's not a fine, it takes away the power on a more permanent basis. And I've mentioned this before when Steve um, was in conversations. And the other... 14 should put a motion to the Premier League to reduce the voting power of each of the six by half. So instead of having one vote, they have half a vote. And that should be a punishment. But furthermore, I would actually like to see that the top six that finish every year actually have their vote reduced to half a vote. Now, that takes away from <clears throat> any future point where clubs become too powerful because of their success. And that in itself, for instance, if the top six now that have done this uh, breakaway attempt, if they were to lose half a vote now and they happen to be in the top six, they wouldn't have a vote and I would make it last for five years. Now, they are targets that I think the other 14 clubs will vote for very quickly. And that is a punishment that I think is achievable. Finding the money that is being put forward, I don't think that would ever happen. There would be all sorts of legal angles that would eventually stop it. But if we take away some of their voting power 
and when I say we, I'm talking about the other 14 clubs. And they vote to reduce the top six clubs at the end of each season down to one vote. The power will stay with the lower division, the lower clubs in the division. So there you are. That's my thoughts. Well done. Good stuff, John. Good stuff, Steve. Last but by no means least, your take on this uh, Super League fiasco that we've uh, all witnessed this week. Well, it was a fiasco. That's a great word to use, Steve, because it was. You know what? I agree with John that the power needs to go and needs to be grasped by the 14. No question. that This is their opportunity to take control of this situation because if they don't want a European Super League to be brought in in the manner that this one was attempted with all of the ramifications that it had in terms of no no relegation, no promotion, uh, only a select few going in, et cetera, et cetera. This is their ideal opportunity. I would go slightly longer and slightly further than John with John suggested five. I would go eight years and I would pick eight years because that's the maximum in company law that most directors would be penalized by the by the authorities um you can you can inst instigate a, an eight-year like ban on on somebody i would go for that. that that's where i would i would nail it and i would remove all that voting rights i i know where john's come from because half a voting right is 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 going to be the equivalent in a 14 of having no voting right anyway but i would go i would go further and i would i would stick uh, no rights i'd also remove them as they're doing from all of the executive powers that they have this is literally you know cutting off the head of the snake that's what needs to happen and with and it, and then after you've done that, then you start to look. And then we're going to have we're going to have the argument and the battle about from the government. And it, it, I think it's always awkward when governments start getting involved in sport and getting involved in in let's say football in this this instance and in, in the governance. If if you've got a if you're an organisation that can't govern yourselves properly, as as in the manner that the Premier League is set up, in the manner and with the FA sitting there and with the football league and the football family, then there's something serious wrong and we know there's been things wrong but having legislation having to be brought in to to sort out issues like this after 150 years is quite frankly more than an embarrassment it's an absolute sin in my eyes but this is what's going to happen they've, they've, they've only got themselves to blame and it's it, this 14 now has the power to put an awful lot of good back into the game that's the that's where i'm looking at and that's where i'm coming from I understand the arguments about fines. I understand the alternative argument that comes in. Let's for it, I'll use Everton as the perfect example where their fans shouted and said, hang on a minute, we had nothing to do with, with trouble in the 1980s, but we got banned from Europe for five years. So it's about time people realise that fans do get penalised. You know, they admit it, and, it's, and it, it's not right, but it does happen and it has happened and will continue to happen. I understand their argument. I'd like to think we've moved on from from those situations, and I'd like to think that in this in this instance, with with the Manchester Uniteds, the Liverpools, the Chelseas, the, the 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 Tottenham Hotspurs, and the Arsenal's and the Manchester Cities, what their owners want is power, 
And what they hate is having that power taken away from them and just becoming also rans. I'd love to see billionaire also rans. That's it. You know, if they have to have billionaires in the game, fair enough. But let's make them equal, exactly the same as you or I in terms of the power that they have. Remove it. And this is the 14s opportunity, Steve. Yep, I would agree. Some great points made there by all uh, our guests tonight. Um, Keith, the takeover then. Where does this put the takeover uh, in the grand scheme of things? Obviously, you know, some people out there will say, what takeover? Um, we've always been very positive about the takeover. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've always... Like I put a tweet out earlier today, we've always tried to to just give our opinions and not try to lead people up a garden path. You know, so yeah. we've all got other things to be doing. We're, you know, there's there's no doubt that I wouldn't have spent the last twelve months trying to keep people's spirits up if I didn't believe that the takeover was still possible. But you know, something like this really um, shows the you know the those six, the devious six, up for what they are is. Uh, there was a quote, uh, somebody's question just came up on the screen there. Zubair Khan says, can Nick DeMargo bring new evidence to the arbitration based on what has come out this week? Is this a positive for the takeover? Um, in short, I think it is. Um, and in short, I've spoken to people on both sides and, and got feedback. Um, the buyers wait for a club that's there to sell and the sellers wait until they've got a club they can sell. So there's nothing's changed on that score. The one I want to dispel things, we keep reading this stuff on Twitter that uh, people are saying, will Piff now go and buy Man United? Will Piff go and buy Liverpool? And I think what you've got to do is on the takeover is put that aside. Man United will be $4 billion. Spurs asked Piff for $3.5 billion with loans. And, he, and this week you've seen that Piff are, um, Spurs are $1.177 billion overdrawn. And when you put Mourinho and his coaches on that at $30 million, it's gone to $1.2 billion overdrawn. To service that debt, um, I'm told, is, is, is somebody said 70 million a year. God knows what it is, yeah. but it, that's, that's the figure I've been told 70 million a year to and, service that debt. And that, that's nearly, sorry, Mitch, go and see. No, and, and that position's got worse as well because apparently, because of COVID, they've missed some payments on the stadium yeah. loan. And that's some of the, what was a low interest loan is now turned into a high interest bearing loan. So yeah. that position's getting worse by the day. So, so there's some other things which people don't know, which would be the first time ever revealed anyway, is that, is that Spurs, when they did the deal on the, on the ground, um, I was told from a, 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 an impeccable source this week, and, and this is something that the Spurs fans should check up, because I'm just a fan at the end of the day, so if I put stuff out there, I'd expect Spurs fans to get all of it and go and, go and find it out. But Spurs think that when they're in the ground, and they spend stuff, uh, beer and, and food, that they are um, putting money back in the club. And this happened at West Ham in the first time, that West Ham thought that. But West Ham sold the catering rights, we're told, at the, at, the, um, at the stadium. And so straight away, West Ham, in their accounts, don't have that uh, revenue from the, from the club. Well, actually, Spurs have copied that model. And what Spurs have done is they've, um, th th it's been given to, we're told, uh, allegedly, one of Levy's companies. So all the all the, the uh, sales in that ground go to him, and the fans aren't aware of that. So I would like people to go and check it out because I was told it from a, a massive source. Um, the other thing I was told at the same time is as a result of this is that, that the likes of Southampton, Burnley, uh, it might not you know they might struggle to get through. And, and to me, Spurs' debt's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal debt. 
But when you've got clubs like Burnley, you saw, you saw what happened on the takeover, and you've seen what's happened with, on the field since then, and certainly Southampton, that was on a pack of cards. I think you might see some big clubs struggling. But when it comes to the takeover of us, what we've got to do is stop worrying about who Piff's going to buy. Because remember, they were going to buy someone in Italy last week. And when I went to the club and spoke to them, they never even had a conversation with them. And there was an article put in the press in the North East saying that that guy had done due diligence. He'd never even spoke to Newcastle United. So, so, so we, we need to get truth into it. And we need to understand it, that um, Piff aren't going to buy Man United for four million because it's a damaged brand. Simple as that. The thing's wrecked. That four billion... And Newcastle sit there, 350 million, without, without you know, with, 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 with them being stones around their own greenhouses. There's only Newcastle going to buy. But all the feedback we're getting, and you get you get feedback coming from Rubens, from PCP, there's people are waiting and they're ready to do it. Nothing's fallen from the tree. By by this happening, um, everyone wants you to come on and say, actually, it, it's not going to go to arbitration. Um, it, it, it's going to break before then. The reality is, and, and fans don't help, I mean, I saw a report this week from somebody saying it was going to happen on the 12th of July. That's the same person that put the 2nd of February. And I was <laughs> hammered. I, I was hammered. And, 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 but, you, but you don't know which, you know, it's got about six, six different uh, faces. So you don't know whether it's, it's the woman or the Scotsman or the, there's all these profiles. And they're telling me that, that, that I'm wrong for saying I haven't heard the same story. Does he want me to make it up and say to the fans, lose me credibility? Say, oh, I've heard the same, mate. You bang on there. Let's just tell you. I went back to the club with your story about the 12th of July. You know what they said? They might, have said, might as well have said the 12th of never. Because they haven't heard it. The buyers haven't heard it. The sellers haven't heard it. And if they haven't heard it, it doesn't exist. It's made up. But what the fans are getting is, they're getting fed with all this. They get fed with crap yesterday. They got fed with the story yesterday. They came out as an exclusive. The, 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 the deal's going to smash. And there was an exclusive to me saying it wasn't true. It's the same bloke. What's going on? So, so, so for me... For me, we've got to get the fans more truth. and We've got to stop leading them up the strain. So I'm telling you now that the takeover isn't imminent. It isn't going to happen this week or next week. But next week will be a big week. Next week's going to be a massive week. And what's going to happen is, I think by this time next Friday, I'll come on the show next Friday now. And when I come on, um, you can ask us questions. You can ask us what I've been doing. And you can ask us where I've spent all my money. And you can ask us... Are they serious about it? You can ask us questions like, is Mike Ashley in it for the money only? You can ask us all those questions next week and I'll answer them. But until then, I'm, I'm, you know, I can only say what I'm allowed to say. And I can't say too much other than I think and I hope that next week's a big week for us. And, um, and I hope that, that we come out fighting. I hope that as a Newcastle fan, you feel as though you get to run for your money next week. But Keith, all you've done is write a letter. I know. I, well, I did. Well, actually, actually, they talked about. I only wrote a letter to Boris. They wouldn't tell you I wrote one two days ago to Boris. I wrote him a letter this week asking what he's going to do in the next four months that he didn't do in the last four months. Because four months ago, on the twenty seventh of December, I wrote to Boris Johnson and I said, you know what it is? You're going to you're going to feed us off with a fans led review, and you're going to get a woman called Tracy Ann Crouch, and you're going to give her the job, and she's going to get the FSA to come and investigate football. And there's the results they're going to find. I give them the results. It was like the Russian elections. And I give them, <laughs> I give them both the results. And do you know what he did? Two days ago, he appoints Tracy Ann Crouch. You know, like I was like a donkey coming out my head because there's no way in the world a week, a week before. And the same week he said it's a cartel. So he's operating the cartel. He can't do anything for Newcastle. Yet the Freedom of Information document said he's having more meetings 
the, than the Jacobins, and then he's turning around us and saying, oh, it's a cartel. Well, if it's a cartel, it's illegal and you've got to investigate it. So for me, let's, let's see what comes, because what we start to find out slowly but surely, I was in a meeting for an hour this week with, with, with you guys, with Keir Starmer, and I listened intently and I thought they did well to pull that together to stop the ESL. What, when I put the call down, I got the impression there's nothing we can do. I got the impression that you have to be um, uh, in power to do anything. And, and we've, we've spoken to the people in power. I mean, you've got to talk about the Prime Minister that two days after this ESL come was going to change competition law. He was going to fine them, ban them. He wasn't going to grant work permits for people who wanted to play in you. He was going to do everything. And then he utters the word cartel. He actually says there's a cartel going on in Great Britain. That means a group of people colluding against the market. We're not talking even for thousands of pounds. We're talking for billions of pounds. And they think we're going to stop watching. They think we're going to stop and watch a takeover not happen. Right, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Because what I'm in the habit of doing is throwing a bit of money around. You know, like chucking money and stuff that you don't care about and not taking a job in the last 12 months. Not getting paid for 12 months. And then people say, what are you doing? Let's, let's see. I'll show you next week what I've been doing. And, and next week you'll realise how serious it's all getting. Because Newcastle next week will come out fighting properly. Good stuff. Uh, Mitch, obviously you're sitting across there. Um, mm. You know, a lot hotter. It's been 15 degrees here though, mate. So uh, things are on the up. But yeah, 40, look. 41 at lunchtime here. <laughs> you, always, you always do this to me. Uh, but yeah, look, what, what's the take being over there, mate? Obviously, you, you know, you speak to a lot of people, a lot of influential people in, 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 you know, in the world over there. And what's the feedback you've had from, from the likes of Riyadh and that? Well, I, I mean, I, with regard to the Super League itself, I had a really interesting chat with Ali Khaled, one of the, the major journalists over here. He's a big Liverpool fan, the way, fan, by the way, and very embarrassed by the way the team's gone on. Uh, and, and to see his team as part of this. Um, the, the feeling is mixed because this is one of the regions where you've got the target demographic for the the, the non-legacy fans, if you will. Um, su football support in this region is quite different. Um, they tend to support players rather than teams, and they'll jump teams. Uh, and I'll, the best example I could ever give was when um, Bayern Munich played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League final once. I've never seen so many Bayern and Dortmund shirts in Dubai before or since on the week of the run-up to that final. It was crackers. And that's how this, how in this region support has developed. Um, you jump on the winning horse, you go for the big names and the people that are doing well, and that, that seems to be the target demographic. So it is a bit mixed because I'm quite sure there'd be a lot of people over here that would fawn all over a European Super League. There's no doubt about that. Um, but those who are football fans have reacted in a, very much the same way. We're moving into a really interesting period now, and I'm going to go back and touch on something Keith was talking about there, and a lot of people are asking questions about in the in the chat. So let's stop dancing around the handbags and really <laughs> get, it, get, get into this. Hallelujah. The information regarding people were talking about being worried about where Piff's money was going. The insinuation that has come out from a few sources this weekend is that there was money from PIF behind the Super League and via JP Morgan. Um, now, 
This is something that we were asked about, and I've checked my messages this week, mate. I've checked my messages. <laughs> the a cat, Steve. There's a, there's a cat. There's a cat. There's a cat. <laughs> first, first message I got about this was actually on the 19th. And that was that was a message I shared just with Steve. I didn't share it with everybody. Yeah. And then then that was followed up within 24 hours with the one that I shared with you guys as well. Yeah. The person it came from is Steve, because somebody Steve and I know very well and have worked with. Um, his sources are fantastic. He's exceptionally well connected. And the one thing he said was um, there is a belief that there is Saudi money involved in the Super League and it's a danger to the takeover and the source is somebody close to Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. And that's where this has come from and that's who this has come from. And what they're doing is standing, starting a campaign of information, disinformation, distraction. Oh, look, there's a squirrel. Here's something shiny. Look over there. Not here. It's not our fault. They're the bad guys. The real threat's there. It's not here. This is a classic tactic. JP Morgan, a week ago, made $13 billion on bonds. Just a week ago. Do they need money propped up from somewhere else? Or from this region? And there's no evidence that would, there was any money from Saudi involved at all, let alone from PIF. The money could, could be from this region. There's plenty of it. You just have to go down to Dubai Mall and see how many Lamborghinis are parked up next to each other. There's plenty of it in the region. Um, but JP Morgan don't need that to bankroll a, a Super League for an American, a group of American investors that they're very cosy with. JP Morgan, like I say, a week ago made $13 billion on bonds, for God's sakes. That would have funded the Super League alone. So this is pure disinformation. We ran that past people, the connections we have, both sides of the deal, and they all came back and they said, that's bullshit. And they're quite pissed off about it. But now you've also got it being used in a geopolitical sense. Richard Keyes' article is, is holding PSG up as some sort of saviours of the modern game. Uh, and that, again, that's got nothing to do with wanting to be not involved with something with Saudi money. It's more to do with being cosy with UEFA and FIFA, and they've got a World Cup coming up that they're terrified is going to get taken off them. Because they've already got enough pressure because of the human rights thing side of things, you know. So once again, we're seeing not just political footballs, but geopolitical footballs being kicked around. And they're using our club to do it, and it's not right. And it's now testing the patience of the, the, all 14 clubs other than those six. Um, and this is why I believe, and this, this is why when, when that came in, that's why me and Steve then said to you two, right, this is what's going to happen now this week. Boom, 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 boom. And it's exactly what was happened. And even by who we named the two journalists that would come out with it. Did I? The, 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 only, the only one I wasn't expecting was the Süddeutsche Zeitung, you know, um, the German paper that ran the article. Um, that was the only one that I wasn't expecting. You, 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 you said both of them, you said Richard Cage and you said, and Hattis will be putting a, a, a pitch as well. Right. And he gives a little chart, you gives a little chart, you said, this will happen on Monday, this will happen on Tuesday, this will happen on Wednesday. <laughs> scarily, scary, I think you're two days in the wrong order. It's, it's incredible that you lot, that 
long in the tooth at this it, game that you know what's going to happen next. And Steve and I have been doing stuff like this for we're well, in the double figures now, Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look uh, at the combined look at the combined years amongst this panel. I mean, look, look, look at John. Let's go to let's go to John. John, you've you know you've had experience of actually not only trying to buy the club but actually buying the club with the Magpie Group, and uh, something which we as supporters were always eternally grateful for. You know, for for you and Sir John and Malcolm Dix and the rest of the guys actually getting off up your backside and, and doing it. And um, for me. You know, this week, it, I feel as if it's been a positive week. Um, might have been negative for football in general, but I think it's been a positive week for the takeover. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I think the atmosphere as regards to the takeover is certainly picked right up. And I think that spreads. But largely, um, in terms of a takeover, you ignore all of the press. You really do. We did. Just ignored it. I mean, we had a great uh, advantage with Gibbo and uh, uh, Ian Lennox at Tyne Tees. They were very, very good. But by and large, it was sensation they were after. And we wanted to buy bloody shares. That's what we were after. So, to a large extent, we ignored the press. And, of course, there was lots of issues that would come up in a very small northeast area way. But um, the practicalities of punishing these six, um, they have legal rights and they have enough money to be able to exploit any of the aspects that would defend them. Um, they need to be taken apart by the people, uh, the other 14, or the, the only people with real power to do that. But the, the atmosphere, in general terms, I think, um, spreads beyond football. And I think the plus side for us is the consortium has got a better base to be able to push things and Keith might be in a position next week to tell us a lot more about that bit. I can tell you something now, John. I can tell you something now. Um, it's just, it, I'm just saying it might be breaking on Sky News. that uh, Someone just put a, a, a copy up on the screen there to say it's breaking that the 14 clubs um, involved want the removal of the chairman and chief executive of the other six clubs. So they want... They, they want the chairman, they want them removing. And my, my, um, my informations and thoughts is that, that once they're removed, you then go on and find out if there's an attachment and association with Masters and Hoffman and then go for them as well. Because if they, get, if they do get the, the top six to, to take them out, that's going to make a massive difference. If you've got a club, Steve, and, and, you, and you take your chairman and chief exec out, um, of, of the game, then then clearly you you you, you know you, you're running things differently, and you you you're asked to control. It's a hell of I a thing. Sorry. So no, go on, mate. Go on. I, I like it. I actually don't think there's any legal way to achieve that, and you might get one or two going, 
but to actually have a, a legal base to remove the chairman and the chief execs, I don't think that's viable. And I've learned in life that you go after achievable targets. And that I don't think is possible. I think what is achievable, John, and it's what I said at the start of the show, is is my, my doubts lie not with them chairman and that. I think you'll get the bigger difference in the takeover and the bigger difference in the way the Premier League's run if you get rid of Masters and Hoffman. If, they, if they've been caught, they were recruited by them. If they've absolutely been caught, caught agree. And, and yeah, so, and, absolutely. And, and the conversations I've been having is, is um, with, with finding out exactly through putting them on oath, put, put them on a stand, and to get them to legally testify, uh, because there'll be a lot of electronic exchanges kicking around. We'll get them to legally testify whether they've been involved in the ESL and at what stage they dropped out. And the fact, that, the fact that 14's gone that far to go for the chairmans tells me that the next step's Masters and Hoffman. If they go, I, I think we get our takeover. Hoffman's the one for me who's never had enough pressure. Million well, I'll, I'll, I'll raise a you, subject matter that I did. Um, some months ago, yeah. um, there is one way to achieve all of that, and that is to find some angle that is credible to bring a charge of fraud yeah. against them. And then that's criminal, and there is a formula that the police in fraudulent situations they go in and seize all of the equipment for records because that's where the fraud or the proof of the fraud will be found. Now, to achieve that, you have to have a very credible um, uh, accusation that would be picked up by the police and that would actually get you all the electronic, all the personal um, electronics as well, because they go in, they do all the um, the uh, office-based uh, documentation and electrical records, but they also go to the prime um, persons involved to their houses, and they actually do it there as well. The, the downside of that is the, the time it takes to do it, because if you were to take that action out tomorrow and get the necessary warrants, then do things. The amount of period of time you've got before that evidence is here, retrieved, searched and checked, and then goes back to court, would be up to a year to get to get that into the court. You're talking about a club that's trying to get a deal done before the next transfer window. You know, we, we, we need yeah. this club. No, I, I, I understand so, that. So and to that, me, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that, I, I think there's another way. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've worn my prayer mat out, but hopefully uh, this week we might see uh, movement there. So, so, so I think there's another way to do it, which will, um, that's, you know, you, you talk about putting the mother of all cats amongst their pigeons. And if that happens, well, you know, good luck. Good luck to you, fellas. Because if I was Masters and Hoffman, I'd be taking Steve, you uh, were out walking your dog this week and came into contact with Steve Bruce. Anything uh, exciting on uh, this positive news for the takeover from him? No, he's got a lovely box of dog, though. Very nice dog. <laughs> no, you know what? He looked, he looked calm. He looked relaxed. We had a, we had a very, very brief uh, exchange, which was 
pleasant. It wasn't, you know, it was literally his dog and my dog in a in a very very quick conversation. And he, as I say, he looked he looked fit, he looked well, he looked relaxed. And um, so he, so he should after the result that we had last week. And I think we'll probably move on to that later on. Um, yeah. But uh, it. it, it I'm not the sort of person who would have had doorstep him, you know, so that, that it was never, ever going to happen. I was never, ever going to sort of, you know, stand in the middle of Jesmond Dean and start sort of shouting the odds about Newcastle United. It's just not my way, you know. I might have asked him if he wanted to go for a cup of coffee at the at the cafe, you know, and, and see whether Mark Reese is going to give us them for free instead of us having to pay for them. I might have done that. But what's your take on what's happened this week, Steve, with the well, in terms of everybody I mean, else that this year? To me it's to me it's it's fascinating. And the, the my 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 whole aspect is you as as Keith said and as John said, you go for Masters now and you go to Hoffman. The the executive aspect, and I understand exactly where John's coming from, and, and he's spot on. It's not going to do anything. What I would say was what was very interesting was that the, the damage limitation that's taken place. I mean, we had a we had a story yesterday, I think it was, or first thing this morning in the paper, that said that uh, Ed Woodward, yeah, not the not the guy from the movies, but the guy who's the chief executive of Manchester United, um it he Apparently went to Downing Street this week, yeah, um, or, or the back end of last week, and I'm two thinking days. two days why, before. Why was, yeah, why was he in Downing Street? What's that all about? And then he, when he's been caught, and when the when the when the stories broke, he says, "Well, I actually wasn't talking about uh, Project Big Picture. I wasn't talking about the ESL. I was talking about um, fans coming back into grounds." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, what's that got Alex. to do with you?" You know that's that's ridiculous. Well, you know this is something that would be made at board level of the Premier League, and it would be discussed with executives in government. It wouldn't be you. Have you have you gone as the as a person on behalf of the Premier League? You didn't say that. What you said was you had two topics you want to talk, and you didn't bump into Boris. Although you did bump into Boris, it's stuff like this. It's the damage limitation that's taking place. And then the, then the story breaks a couple of hours later that apparently he didn't agree with uh, the 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 Super League anyway. And I'm thinking this is this is this is where these guys start to feel. This is the problem that you have when you start to do when you start to do the backtracking and you start to go, oh well, it wasn't actually me. I didn't actually say that. It's like it's like putting a tweet out and then six months later turning around and going, eh, well, I didn't actually mean that. And you haven't had the ability or the knowledge or the foresight to remove the original tweet, but you start to dismiss your original tweet by saying something else. You start to do the pleasantries instead of doing the the critique that you've that you've done in the past. You know, we all do it. We've all we've seen it. It's this week has been amazing for that type of juxtaposition that people are now taking and the stance that they're now taking. But in terms of in terms of everything that's happened this week. What we said at the beginning is right. What we're saying about Masters and Hoffman is right. They they were they have colluded with six of a twenty. They are part of. They are they are executives paid by the shareholders of the Premier League. They are paid to do a job on behalf of the twenty. They went behind the back of fourteen and started helping the six to collude against the twenty. Or against the fourteen, rather. That's what these guys have done. 
that's what's been been shown because they've been in meetings and they've been meeting with the with the six and apparently not just once or twice but 40 times the, the, the report said there were 40 meetings that had taken place. So they're obviously even meeting before the regular meetings that have taken place yep. for the last three or four years. Once a month when the Premier League board uh, clubs get together, <laughs> send their representatives and they talk about issues. And every time, Masters, Hoffman, whoever was in place before Masters, whoever was in place before Hoffman, these meetings have been taking place and it's be they've stepped in and it's gone, you know what, this is the norm, this is what this is what we do, guys. You meet us six first and then you move on and then we'll meet the others tomorrow. And then you sit there and you sit with the 14 and you sit as a collective and yet sound surprised when things are, are, are announced or are going to happen. That's That's shocking. That's collusion. You are colluding. And this is money. This, as Keith said, this is money. And whether it whether it can be proved to be the illegal or whatever, whether something can be pinned on them, but quite frankly, the two of them, to, to me, their position is untenable at the Premier League. Yeah, their right. position right. in the executive board is untenable. Exactly. And if they don't walk, the fourteen throw them out. The fourteen have the power to throw them out. They throw them out. They get rid of them. And if they have to pay them compensation because they've got contracts, well. Fight them in the court. That's what I would say. I think if they go, what bothers me? So if they go, I was going to say, I think, I think the takeover goes through. I think they're the biggest objectors to takeover. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any people that took their jobs on would give the the top six the kind of freedom they've been given. Where the Brighton director said this week that you were going to board meetings with them. And the day before, you get a list of what had to be passed at the, at, the, at the next day. And they said, they were saying, pass that, that and that. This is a big six. Oh, we're leaving. We're leaving the, we're leaving the Premier League. What yeah, I mean, that, that, that is, that is anti-competitive behaviour. Game set and match on a grand scale in a marketplace. Yeah. Aye. And did you, did you hear that? Did you hear the translated interview with the Sheffield when uh, Sheffield United? Yes, uh, that was that was fantastic. Yes, that was fantastic. That translation on, and he 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 nailed it to the mast. He absolutely yeah. nailed it. And thanks to Alouid who 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 yeah. did the translations yeah. for us and put the titles up. You know, absolutely yeah. superb. But guys, you're right. I'm I'm not. By the way, I'm not shouting that Masters and Hoffman should go because I want the takeover to happen, which I do. Obviously, I want the takeover to happen. Yeah. But I'm saying Masters and Hoffman have to go and we need the other 14 clubs and the fans of the other 14 clubs to realise what these guys are like, what these guys have been doing to their clubs, not just Newcastle United, nothing to do with the takeover, but for the, God knows how long they have been colluding against your club. They've been you know, stitching, it, right, stitching everybody up for years. Know. Yeah. Sorry, they've been sorry, stitching you? everybody up for years. Yeah, yes. they've, they've been sitting in meetings, selected meetings, just with a set agenda, with basically being told what to do. And that's clear to me from stuff that's coming out now. And like I say, I'm I'm waiting for one of them to crack because I think one of them will. Yeah. If you do anti-competition law and you and you read about like what makes it, and what doesn't, I mean the, the basic description is where one or more parties join together and work against a market. And you, and, you, and you think if you think of the Brighton chairman's comment, which is, you know, I mean, it'll all be admissible. But you see, 
all those people, those fourteen, kept a WhatsApp phone, and that would be that would be admissible in court. So, so fourteen people aren't going. And what they'll do is, supposing Steve Wraith was the director for Newcastle, he sit there, he had it in his phone, he sent it to Mitch and Steve Hasty, and Steve Hasty sent it to John Wolf. It's it's it, it's like a vein, it's like a thread all the way through. And if you if suppose you get all the Steve's phone, you wipe it, you haven't wiped John Wolf's, and, yeah. and, and you've got all this going on. So, so basically. That guy is telling you, he's saying, well, what happened in this market was there was the six inverted commas richest um, or biggest or won the most trophies of late, whatever you want to call them. And what they did was they sent agenda to the people who were short of money and the people who, who had to sell them their players cheaper. So they, they would bully you and, and they would tell you agenda and say, this is what's happening tomorrow. And if it doesn't, we leave. I mean, Jesus Christ, you do you, raise a competition QC, which is laugh his way through that. I tell you what, me nana could run that case. Yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to uh, our sponsors. We've got uh, over 800 watching tonight, which is fantastic. Wow. Thanks, everybody, for your support. As I always say, we never we never take it for granted. Uh, and we do thank you for your support and coming to watch us and, and listening to us have a big crack and hopefully make the takeover and, and all of this situation a little bit clearer. Big shout out to Spider VPN, sponsored us for the last three months. Uh, they're perfect for your internet security. Get uh, get online and have a look for them. And also a big shout out to a sponsor that came on board uh, this month, uh, Arcot Interiors. Uh, fantastic kitchens. Uh, get onto their website, www.arcotinteriors.com. Give them a ring, 0191-265-8663 or enquiries at arcot.org.uk. Also a big shout out to our regulars, qtechshop.co.uk, makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Wallsend, Newcastle, and to Jab Signature. Big shout out to them as well. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, welcome. Please subscribe. Hit that little Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and that's it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay. Uh, you just need to subscribe to the channel. Hit the little thumb up to like the video. Uh, over 120 have done that tonight. Please, uh, 800 watching. It would be nice to get it up. And click share if you want to share it to your social media. Tell your friends a little bit about the channel and the show. Just click it and it'll take you to your Twitter or your LinkedIn or your Facebook. And uh, join the comments section. Get your comments on screen if you've got a point to share or you've got a point to make. That's what you do with the uh, the comment section. Lots of friendly people in there. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow uh, we will be doing Match Day Live. But as always, thanks to QTech, you can make a donation still to the food bank. Uh, you just need to visit nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. The Match Day bucket will be in operation. We've made a lot of money out of that uh, for the food bank uh, since it was established at the back end of last year. So simply click on nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and uh, make your donation exactly as you would uh, when you were going to the match. And uh, Match Day Live, of course, will be on 12 o'clock tomorrow. Join me and a panel of Newcastle fans as we talk you through the game. And I'm, I'm bizarrely looking forward to that. We will be talking about that a, a little bit later. Uh, got a lot to cram in tonight. And uh, unfortunately, we can only last till half past seven. I've got to go off and do uh, Loaded HQ, Loaded Mag. I'm doing tonight with Martin and Daz. Looking forward to doing that. Uh, the lads went off and they still do our channel, of course. We went off and created that own. So uh, we do have quite a bit to cram in. So we're going to go with Mitch's regular feature, which is... Toon Lookalikey, of course. And uh, before we get to Mitch's, I was sent this um, 
from a couple of weeks ago when Mitch was looking, <laughs> Mitch was looking a little bit green uh, around the gills. Um, quite a quite a starting res resemblance that one, Mitch. Yeah, that was that was the, oh, aye, that was my twelve-hour session, wasn't it? I yeah, I'm not bloody surprised. Jesus, he's even got the cannon. He's, he's even got the cannon. He's even got the cannon. Sound. That's fantastic. Brilliant, that one. Thanks. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Paul Oxley who sent that to me a couple of weeks ago, and I just failed to uh, fail to put it up. But this is uh, Mrs. This is Mitch's uh, contribution today. This is a belter. Uh, tune looking like you this week. I was sent this a couple of weeks ago, and I really can't can't remember who sent it. It's but it's, it's obviously Overton and uh, Goldie, the DJ. And I Absolutely. think that's fantastic. Gabriel Overton, of course. Uh, yeah, he was okay. Not the greatest player, but God, I mean, you know, when you look at some of the players that have played since, he was he's, he made them look like Ronaldo. But yeah, Gabriel Overton and Goldie, brilliant. Spitting dabs, good one. And uh, not sure who, who sent it to Mitch, but well done, whoever it was. We'll give you some credit on Twitter. But uh, that's your two looking like for this week. Keep them coming in. Send them to me, Steve, or Neil, or Keith on Twitter. Uh, we're all on there. If you ever got a two look alike, or you've got a tweet of the week, we do seem to be getting copied into lots and lots of these. Uh, just drop us <coughs> in the box, send them over, and we'll give uh, give you a mention on the show as well. Keith, fan ownership. Of course, all of this uh, all of this fiasco that's happened with uh, the Super League has, has prompted the FSA and, and the trusts of all these different clubs uh, to come forward and say, let's follow the German model. Let's have 51% uh, of the club owned by supporters. Um, I've completely against the idea. I And I'm sure John will have something to say about this, but I remember when Sir John Hall gave us the option of, uh, you know, getting involved and, you know, having the club and we, we didn't take that opportunity. Well, for me, those days have gone now. I, I, you know, the, the days of 51% ownership, I, I can't see it happening. You never know. Things might change. But what's your take on it, Keith? Um, I think the ship's sailed. Um, people come to me, like, people I don't want to say, well, you, you've done all right, so why you buy the club? And I, I say to them, I say, I'm like, I'm a million miles short. You know what I mean? And, and you think that I've done all right, but... but when you're talking about buying 10% in Newcastle and putting 35 million in, it doesn't stop there. So I've done these figures, but I think it's it's really wise because I keep I got I've had six people this week rang us and said, um, "Are you putting money into the pledge?" And I said, "I said if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, then yeah, I'd probably put some money in." But at the minute, what I've done in you know I've spent what I'm spending on Newcastle on on this takeover, you know NCSL movement, but. I just said, they said, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, it's up to you. you know, it's yours and your, your wife's money. It's up to you. And they, I said, but you've got to think of what the end game is. And I said, I said, what I'm trying to say is what does 1% give you and what does it not give you? But more to the point, how do you, re how do you retain 1%? That's my point. So if Amanda and Murdad and the Rubens each put 35 million in for their 10%, um, I think they'll have to retain that 10%. To, re to keep a boardroom spot because I think the articles of that company under PIF will say, this, this is what I, I've been told this from a source, is it'll be three PIF to one Ruben to one PCP and that'll be the boardroom, would be five people. And the reason you get that is so you've got majority vote in the 80% shareholder and then three will always outvote the two. The ideal world is they all get on and, for example, Jamie Ruben's doing what he's learned at QPR Amanda and Murdad are doing what made them wealthy people and they run the club and the club grows. 
But when it comes to push, them three can always outfought the two. I don't see them ever selling 1% of those 10s because those 1% of them 10s would probably remove their bedroom's place. And I don't see Piff selling 1% of anything to anybody because Piff are normally a 100% company. But when Mamandra then put the 35 million in and then they decide to do um, what's called a share issue, which says we're now going to put 300 million into players over the next three years, that's only going to get you a Harry Kane each year. And people talk about Mbappes and talk about all these fancy players. But, but seriously, if you've got this takeover with this, these people, they're so dynamic and they're so fan-orientated that they would want to put as much as they could under, within the fair play rules. And 300 million wouldn't be a huge budget over three years. It would be similar to what Man City you know, put aside. But then they say to Amanda Murdad and the, the Rubens, we want another 35 million. Or we, don't, we want 10% again. And you've got to do that to retain your share. And then they say, well, we're now going to do the stadium up. We're going to do the training ground like Leicester. We're going to do the, 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 the St. James up. And they'll probably want it again. So my point I'm saying to you is, it's all right fans talking about raising £3.5 million, but you might have to do that three times to maintain your 1%. And if you've got 1%, I said to you last week and I repeated, you'll get 1% of the votes on an annual AGM and you'll get 1% of the money if it sells. Nothing else. You will not, be, you will not find out who we buy and... and, and Honestly, I don't want fans to, to spend £30 a month that they haven't got, or I don't want fans to give 5000 quid over to something without knowing the truth. You know, I think it's a cracking idea, and I think it's a good way of raising money for charity. But in 2021, when clubs are worth £4 billion, think about it. Buy 1% of £4 billion. Seriously, like, I, I don't think people do the numbers. You know, it, 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 it's, it's frightening what you're talking about putting in. And people are talking about 51%, the German model. It's all right, so you buy Man United. You're going to, where's the fans going to get £2,000 million from to, to buy half of Man United? It isn't going to happen. The ship sailed. The day happened when John Hall was there. The day happened when John Wolf was there. That's the days when you could have done it. That's the days when he said, put up or shut up. And we could have done it. And however it was put over, it wasn't grabbed and received but them days have gone and so for me for me um i, I fear i fear um I, I feel there's too many things in in play when i was sat on that case time meeting the other day um greg who i know who i've spoken to um came on and he had a window he had a window of opportunity in my eyes and, and this is how i see things i think here we are on a national stage and the calls on there went chelsea fan Arsenal fan, West Ham fan, Spurs fan, Arsenal fan. Then it went to somebody from Battersea, then it went to Newcastle to Greg, and then it went to somebody from Huddersfield. Huddersfield. And that was it. So it was like sitting in a, in, a, in a Cockney delegation, and I'm sitting there, sitting there, working through, and then our man comes on, right? Now, you've got an option here. We're talking about the ESL. That's what we're talking about, the ESL. That was the whole purpose of being on that call. You got invited on, and you're sitting there listening, 200 people on, and we're going to talk about Newcastle United. Well, I'm sorry, the first thing I would have said, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical, I'm thinking, takeover, takeover, please say the takeover, because that's the biggest thing in our lives. The takeover will change our lives, but having 1% won't. 
And what happened is he had an opportunity to say, you know, you're talking about these clubs, these six people, they've voted as a cartel to stop our tape of going through. They're prohibiting money coming into the game because they don't want to compete with PIF. That's what's been happening in Newcastle. So you think you've been badly done to? You want to see what they've been doing? Oh, it's bang, bang, bang. But no, it was we're going to buy part of our club. And, and the reason that stuck with me a little bit is because Mike Ashley won't sell it because they've told us they're not going to sell anything to anybody. And I don't think PCP will be allowed to sell because I think them and the Rubens are going to need 10% each. So what I'm saying is, it's all right having this collection, but we're talking 3.5 million. And we've done 60, you know, 58,000 in two weeks. What I'm trying to get to is, I, 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 51% is pie in the sky. Boris Johnson can do whatever he wants. He'll not get anybody or any commercial entity to give 50% of their company up because you just don't do it. I couldn't go to Steve Wraith and go, give us 50% of your books, company now, because we want some fans to have it. It's his company. If Steve Wraith gives half his company away, you buy it off him at the market rate. And if you don't, he's been badly traded. So, so, so I don't get some of the talk. I don't get how it works. I don't get, we, we, you know, we're into it. And, and I thought the Alan Shearer move was massive. I thought it was huge. And I thought, God, Alan Shearer's in and... and um, Warren Barton's in, and I heard Aspria, and this, and all these people. And then I think, like, what you put in yourselves, you think of all the lads who's running it and doing it, and all the patrons and the, the press. And then I ask the question, well, how much have you put in? Because that's what people ask me. How much have I put in to, to, to NCSL? So, so how much have they actually put in? And, and if, if that, you know, I think that if they'd got a lot of donations to start with and, and shown that that, that fund could rise to a certain amount. I think the man in the street might put more in, but if it's 58,000 after two weeks, and it's got to get the 3.5 million to get the first 1%, and then every time a share issue happens, the likelihood it'll have to raise 3.5 3, 3 million three times to retain 1%, to have a vote of 1% at an annual general meeting. Sorry, guys, I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I would agree. I, just before you come on, Mitch, I, just, I mean, I was on that... I was on that conference call, Steve. I think you. I think it was about two hundred and two hundred and four people on that conference call with, with uh, with Keir Starmer. And I agree. I thought it was a missed opportunity by Greg. I thought what he should have been saying was, you know, this, the, you know, the cartel essentially have prevented our takeover. Yeah. You know, he's got to he's got to be careful because he's representing the trust, and this will have to be discussed at board level. However, to to use it as an opportunity to promote the pledge, I felt was wrong. Um, that was my opinion, and I'm entitled to my opinion. We've asked the lads to come on, um, you know, to, to talk about it. Unfortunately, they've chosen not to. Uh, that's their decision. They've got their reasons. We're not going to go into it. But, you know, good luck to them. I keep saying that on the show. Mm. I am not against it in principle. Um, the fact that the money will be given um, to charity if they don't hit their target is is admirable. Um, when will that be, I suppose, is the question. You know, when 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 will they get to that when will they get to that cutoff point where they say we haven't done it? I haven't checked. I, I went on a couple of days ago. I think they were up to fifty-eight thousand seven hundred ninety pound last time I checked. Um, after a couple of weeks now, so you know it's it's ticking along. It's money going in. If they're going to donate it to the food bank or the Sir Bobby Robson or whatever they're going to do, then I think that's what will happen. But um, I, I've spoken to a couple of people off the committee as well, and, and, and me personally, I, I feel that you know if the takeover goes through. Anyway, this will all become academic. And I think that's what we're all hoping. There's a lot of politics. We go on about it time and time again on here. There's, you know, there's been lots of things happened over the years. There's been lots of people campaigning, lots of people on different sides of the fence. 
There's egos involved. There's been lots of problems, and I think that's unfortunately why it's divide and conquer. And that's the way that that's the way that you know we've always been as a fan base. I I found when I was going through me um going through me loft this week. I mean, people say, well, what have you ever done? Well, that's me. There's me there. Top not not the kid in the black and white top top left, but the kid right at the top of the flag. That's me. We're here standing there outside St James's Park um, when John was John was inside St James's Park trying to get the um, trying to get the club off the people who were spending the family silver, and I was standing outside with a flag. Um, I eventually got photographed in the Evening Chronicle burning my Newcastle United scarf, uh, which I then got a hiding off my dad for. But um, that's what I've done. I've been doing this for years. Steve Hasty's been doing it for years. Mitch has been doing it for years. Keith's been there for years. We're all fans. We've been home and away. John's been there. You know, John's been there most of the European trips over the years, as well as every home game and away games. And, you know, the passion amongst us five on here and what we've done actually for our football club is more than some of these trolls on Twitter will ever, ever do in their lifetime. And these people who don't know what they're talking about, it's, it's so annoying. But Mitch, over to you. Fan ownership. Yeah. 51% is it is it something that's going to happen? I'm not looking at this. This isn't about the Look, pledge. The pledge no. is the pledge is completely over there to me. This is the pledge is I, a separate issue. This is 51% fan ownership. Is it is it real is that reasonable to expect that's going to happen to anybody in, in this in this country? In the in the modern football world, it's not viable. And that's speaking as a founder of the trust, that's speaking as the interim and founding chair of the trust. That's speaking as a man who led the yes we can campaign to try and buy the club. That's speaking as a man who sat with Steve Hasty when we sat with Derek Lambias and said, right, how much? And got a figure off him. And the numbers we were talking were telephone numbers. The numbers you're talking now are international telephone numbers. There's there's an extra four digits at the front. <laughs> you know, and, and and we sat down and created a vehicle. Um, and I remember Bill, it took Bill Corcoran, bless him, um, about four hours to talk me through the vehicle so I understood. You know the scene in Father Ted where they're in the caravan and Father Ted's sitting with Dougal and he's, and he's got the cows, right? I was Dougal. And Bill's talking me through this vehicle and I just couldn't get it. Get me head around it. Well, you take a bit of your pension. Yeah, okay, you take a bit of your pension and you put it under there. Yeah, okay. What do you do with your pension again, Bill? And it took him about four hours and about half the Guinness in bloody the Irish Centre for us to get it into me head. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I tell you to this day, and I don't think I've ever said this, I don't think I've ever expressed this to Steve even, um, the thing that scared me the most was actually buying the club. <laughs> because I didn't know how we were going to keep it going. I didn't know how we were going to keep the funds running. I, buying it's one thing, running it's another. Well, they think um, wages and then think about how much you clip it. And, and I probably, um, I probably would have needed another Father Ted moment with Bill to get me head around the second bit. Um, and, and and it terrified us and it ex excited us at the same time. The numbers you're talking now are way beyond that. And I can't see the government turning around to every club saying, right, 50, 51% going to the fans without somewhere the money coming in from somewhere. It's just not going to happen. Um, I always believe the right owner, the right owner for Newcastle United, will find every way possible 
to engage with the fan base Fancy, in as yeah. many Absolutely. different ways possible. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that this week has told me. This week, fan power pretty much stopped the European Super League. Fan power. You've got it in one. Those lads outside of Chelsea, did they own any other club? No, the bloody didn't. But they were there and they put the pressure on. The Tottenham fans that are now out here, one lad in particular who who is Tottenham through and through, and I've known him almost since my first day in Dubai, good lad, who turned round and he said it on Twitter, and if you come back through my retweets, you'll find him, basically just said, right, I'm done with my club, that's it, I'm done. Absolutely done, and he meant it. He absolutely meant it. That's fan power. And it doesn't matter whether you own part of the club, the emotional ownership Absolutely of the clubs correct. still remains with the fan base and that power was shown this week. And so, are we barking up the wrong tree when we're breaking it down to just cold, hard cash and figures? Of course we are. Because nobody can put... Yeah, and you know what? I did actually want to sit down and try and work out a monetary value of what I've put into following Newcastle United. There was a few of us sat around the table. Um, where was it? It was in Munich. There you go. It was in Munich when we played We played Munich 1860 in a UEFA game. Um, and there was a few of us sat around the table in a brow house in, in Munich. And we started adding up how much money we'd spent, including tickets, travel, hotels, sort of like a rough estimate on food and beverage expenses was stopped was stopped because we were all in the tens of thousands of pounds over a certain period and we were scaring ourselves we invest in the club emotionally it, more so at Newcastle United I've, I've never we were talking on the retro show this week about that dear derby when we got hammered 4-1 and had three men sent off and how that galvanised not just the, the club and the and, and the squad, but the fan base and everybody came together. And that's the emotional attachment that we still have. And that's the emotional attachment that's driven the reaction this week across a lot of clubs. And it's heartened me to see fans of the so-called bigger clubs, ones I've been quite happy to criticise, Arsenal fans who wanted Wenger out after everything he delivered to that club, in grateful little sods that they were, we would have killed for a manager that delivered something like that. You know, um, watching Spurs fans, they've got the best ground in the country, but by God, is that coming at a cost? By God, is that now coming at a cost? And emotionally, they still own those clubs, and the, the, the reaction has been fantastic in my eyes. One of the things you talked about earlier was um, the 51% and, and people go the German model. I think it's really relevant, Steve, that, that I've seen a lot of press this week where people say, we want the German model, we want 51%, we want to say what's happening with our club. And you sent me an article this week and I read it and it was in, intriguing because in Germany, um, Haaland is a Dortmund now and they say he's getting sold this year, but they've sold a top player for the last three years and the fans have voted for it. And the reason they've voted for it is because in business, a every business has a value and years ago we used to value the business as a multiplier of net, net profit so you just multiply the net profit by four or five 
And let's say that was the work for the company. Nowadays, they do buy something called EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, tax, and amortization. And it's higher. So it makes the, the company look more money because it's bigger than the net profit. And in Britain, um, companies have been trading for about four times EBITDA through COVID. When COVID subsides and the recession lifts, it'll go to six or seven times EBITDA. And that's about the norm. I've seen businesses sell for a lot more, but six or seven times. And I sell companies for people. And the Dortmund company is currently running at one times EBITDA. And I've got to tell you, that's a suppressed market. That is, that's diabolical. And what's happening is because the fans run it and because nobody can buy in because they're not allowed to, they're there to do what the fans say. And the, van, the fans at Dortmund are voting year on year to sell the best player. And for me, for me, I would, I would put a question, I put a controversial question out last week, the fans, I put another one to you this week. Would you rather run 51% in your castle where you vote every year to get rid of your Waddle, your Gascoigne, your Beasley, your Ginola, you get rid of them every year to the top club who's won eight out of ten league titles, or would you rather somebody else took the financial risk and bought your place so you could compete? And that's, I think that's where we are. And for me, well, I, want, I want the second one. I'm glad to see it's a lot less controversial than the question you've hoid in last week uh, and created a load of grief for me, mate. Uh, John... John, I've been dying to hear your views on this because you you you've been at that end where you know you've been trying to buy the club and you know you've been through all of this. You you know Sir John obviously giving it a, a chance to the fans to buy shares. The share scheme I remember going up to that tent that was set up behind the old West Stand and walking through it and looking through the brochure. I was only a kid, you know what I mean? But I, I remember I remember how how that all unfolded and, and, and eventually collapsed. Um, has anything changed? Do you think are we are we right on what we say about this that it's pie in the sky? It is pie in the sky, and a lot of the points that have been uh, raised during this discussion here are absolutely spot on. Uh, a fan on the board doesn't work, and let me give you an example of the history of why it doesn't work, and this is a very strange history of why it doesn't work. During our fight, um, we ended up getting John adopted onto that current board. Now, without going into all of the detail, John never wanted to own the club. His dream was for the fans to own it. But that wasn't impractical. And for instance, that share that share issue wasn't the Magpie Group uh, share issue. That was from the club because they had run it so badly. They desperately needed. There wasn't another way. They would have went bankrupt if they hadn't brought it forward. But I can tell you, when John joined their board, he was one man on a board where the club needed money and he was the only one with money. Was he going to let the other six or seven have a say in how to spend his money when they'd run it so badly? No. And John came off the boards. And that was our push then to force the issue and he took over. 
But John never wanted to buy the club. He wanted the fans to own it. But it didn't work. And it didn't work because we had three people that were incredibly important during the glory years. Keegan, John, the most important person of all was Freddie Fletcher. Yeah. Because Freddie was a genius. He was an absolute genius. And without, uh, with, with John and Keegan, it wouldn't have lasted five minutes. Because the greatest thing that John had was he was a fantastic orator. And when he retired, I remember Freddie used to say, my God, we should have John here giving a speech because he galvanized people and people rose up. And, and I can't tell you the effect it had. It was magic. But if he had had a fan sitting on that board, for what? When there was things to happen with speed, with secrecy involved, I can tell you one match. We went to play Everton, and I couldn't believe it. Freddie walked out with uh, their centre forward the next the next year. You unveiled him. Um, the hell did they call him? Duncan Ferguson. Ferguson. Duncan Ferguson. Nobody knew, but Freddie actually worked his magic, and that sort of operation. You can't have a fan sitting there and he would leak all sorts of things to his friends and so on and so on. No, but John's example of joining that board where McKeegan's cronies wanted to have a say in what he was the only person with the money to put in and make the club go, no, didn't work. And the same thing is important for the fans but the example that was given before this last few days is shown the true power that the fans have but they can exactly. only have it outside of the boardroom and outside of the shareholders that right. is the power because these clubs belongs to the fans and the area and they Definitely. can't be moved away Definitely. absolutely that is the case, yeah. and it can't change. And we don't want it to change because look at what it's done to the greedy six men that have come up with this bloody stupid idea. Well, it, it's interesting, John, you say about the can't be moved because in that European Super League uh, example, they would become franchises eventually. The American influence over that was undoubtedly franchise-based. And if you look at some of these owners... Yes, I agree. You look at some of these owners, Cronky. Cronky's he's moved the Rams twice during his ownership of the Rams. Um, and all about getting his own way with Stadia and getting tax breaks about his company's building the Stadia and getting money round the back door and asking the other NFL owners to raise the debt debt capacity on his own club so he could get this stadium that he wanted. The Glazers pretty much have done the same to Tampa Bay, what they did to Man United, bought it with high-end high leverage, 
and then threatened Tampa Bay they were going to take the club out of Tampa Bay. Then all of a sudden, the, the local council raises taxes and builds them a new stadium for now. You know, yeah. th this is the way they behave. Yeah, I and, agree. And, and I'm quite sure the long term of this European Super League would see teams moved, would see cities lose their teams. And they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care because all they're interested in is the profit. They wouldn't care because all they're interested in is in the numbers, the money ball, as Fenway Sports Group would, would, would have you. And that's the way they behave. They work in a closed shop. The, it, it, these things work in the NFL because it's closed. There's no relegation. You, the, the, you yeah, get the, towards the end of the season in the NFL and some of the teams are deliberately tanking because they want to get the early draft picks for the next season. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely I, I totally, ridiculous. I totally agree with that. There is another problem that they would have to solve in terms of British football anyway, because the names are based on the area. Newcastle United, Fulham, Manchester, Liverpool. And it is an, it, it's a problem that couldn't get around. And I agree that is the franchise aspect that they would like that sort of freedom. Can't be achieved here. And that's the basis. And this rubbish about having a fan on the board, it is rubbish. And it, yeah. it, they, they couldn't survive. And, you know, you would have a, a board meeting and then after the fan had gone, you'd have a proper board meeting. You know, and, and it's because... It's their money that's being used. Yeah. Exactly the um, the uh, example of the Dortmund uh, scene. Um, there has to be uh, an owner, and that owner with the financial um, responsibilities that come along. But to move quickly, the 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 way that. We managed to move so well was because there was three people involved that were in constant contact, which was Keegan, uh, John, and Freddie. And Freddie actually worked the magic. But and Freddie, it worked Freddie, like a dream. Freddie was unbelievable. He had spies everywhere. He knew everything that was going on in the city. And I'll give you a personal example. Um, I know all about that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. When when you when I was at dental school, we have a, a an, an annual sports day, which is basically an excuse to go somewhere for a piss up, yeah. and it's held between Newcastle and it used to be held between Newcastle, Edinburgh, Dundee, and Glasgow. And you'd go to one of the venues, you'd rock up with your rugby team, your football team, your hockey team, etc., 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 and everybody else would go to support. By support, they mean go and get pissed. Um, and I produced, when I was on the committee, a load of T-shirts. And the T-shirts had black and white stripes on with a blue star. And it had the, the Newcastle crest, but instead of Newcastle United, it said Newcastle Dentists. Right? I right. produced these T-shirts. About five days after I handed them out, I got a letter from Freddie telling us to stop producing the T-shirts. Otherwise, he was going to sue. And it's, to this day, I don't know where he got my name from. He, 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 he sent it to the dean of the dental school. I get called in front of the dean. Um, what have you been doing, Mr. Mitchell? I'm like, oh, what, well, uh, making T-shirts. <laughs> and, and 
showed us this letter, club paper, from Freddie, telling us basically a cease and desist, and I had to get rid of all the T-shirts. I mean, obviously, we've let everybody keep the T-shirts, and no more were, put, no more were, were made. But how the hell did he know that? Brilliant. Yeah, not, not, much got past, not much got past him, that's for certain. Uh, God rest his soul. Steve, uh, yeah. before, we've got quite a few things to get through, mate. So just uh, quickly on the uh, fan ownership thing. I mean, most of the lads have covered the points. but half, <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. I mean, uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, the, there's a lots of different fan models out there. You've got the Barcelona model where, you know, you, you bring a president in and he's there for four years and he just wrecks the club for those four years and then you vote him out. You've got you've got the Madrid version where you bring in a president like Perez and he stays for 23, 24 years and wrecks the club and builds up the debt and then have they got the guts to throw him out? You've, you've got the German model. Um, I mean, it, there's, there's so much that there's so much to contemplate and so much to think. Um, I, I'm, I'm listening to what the guys are saying and, it, and it's fascinating and, and it's great to hear because there's 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 so much history and there's so much going on. I'm listening to Keith and. I mean, Keith, yeah, you you came up with some some interesting points, but you you've spent money on this football club. You spent a damn sight more than I think I've that I've spent in the in the last year because I haven't been in the ground. I'm spending out. No, you're not in the ground, and you've been spending money. It's only five hundred quid. No, it's five hundred quid for a QC. The trolls have told us. Right, right. So, so if it's five hundred quid for a QC, is that per hour, per day, per minute? I mean, I'm I'm looking at the and 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 I'm, you know what? I know that I'll get pilloried. I know that there are people out there who think I've got some sort of agenda against the trust and stuff Steve, like that. Steve, you just out. get if any if anything goes wrong, blame you. If anything goes wrong, blame you. You get the blame for everything. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'll have a show in in three years' time. I'll have it. Well, in thirty-three years' time. Well, no, I'll not be not be thirty-three years' time. I'll be dead. But you know what I mean. In in, in ten years' time, I'll have a show with Steve, just like John sitting here, and I'll explain to Steve exactly what went on with the supporters' trust and why why I left and what caused it and all that type of thing. If that's what they want, if, they, if or if these guys want to know why I'm no longer part of supporters' trust, give us a call. I'll tell them why I'm not part of it. But to 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 do what they do and to 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 disregard the stuff, I'm 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 flabbergasted. But I'll, I'll throw I'm throwing all that one side. I'm looking at Keith and I'm looking at Keith. At the the pledges you said the pledge was at fifty eight grand, right? Well, I put the thing up there before. It's up to 62000 Sixty two grand. Sixty two grand. I mean, you, we've got to turn around. We've got to say that that's fantastic from a from a bunch of supporters. Who have raised sixty-two grand? You know, I mean, we, we, we got. I think the the if I remember right, the pay-per-view thing had got it got Newcastle fans donated twenty-four grand to charity. Now we've got another situation where there's there's sixty-two grand being raised on the back of, of something, and but may end up with something else. But is that is that a, is that a lot of money? Is that is that a, a, a in terms of what you spent, I mean, where are we? Because you you are happy to, to say that you're spending money on your court case, but where are we with that? I mean, you've been you've been pilloried on on Twitter about it, you know, uh, and on social media. Is are you are you anywhere near that? How are you? Own up. Um, if you if if I well, what I'm going to do shortly, I'm going to uh, pass the book. Um, I'll answer that question, but I'm going to pass the book because 
Um, people who's coming on here, and I've been, I'm reading a lot of the stuff that's coming on. There's so many good things coming from fans. But they say, no, oh, next Friday night, Kate's going to do an announcement. I want to change that. I'm going to do an announcement probably this week, and I'm going to pass the book and say, I'll do it through Liam Kennedy. He's the only guy I trust in the press. And what I'll do is I'll give it all to Liam this week, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Liam do it. And the reason I do it is because I've just got enormous trust. That lad would stop a story going out to benefit his job if it was going to harm the club. That's, that's the kind of man Liam Kennedy is. So I'm going, to give, I'm going to do an exclusive with him this week. And so go and hound him rather than me. And then on Friday night, we'll come on and we'll talk about questions. I'll maybe bring some bits of evidence up that I can give to Saver he can put up on the screen. Little things, little snippets. But when it comes to the case, yeah, I've been criticised for what I've done. But the cost of, the cost of doing this, you, you couldn't quantify. Um, you know, I, I ended a four-year relationship because of what I was doing. Um, I couldn't take a job. I turned down three director roles. Um, one of my businesses suffered, um, and 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 um, because I wasn't working at it, so I had to get up and, and recover that. But money wise, um, it's cost us more than what they've saved so far. Wow, that's yeah, that's, that is incredible, but not not unsurprising. I mean, as right. John, just as Alan says, Keith spend more than that on phone calls, but. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, like, like like Keith says, you know, I think I've mentioned this on here before. W when you get involved in something like this, it does take over. When we were doing Yes We Can, that was that was pretty much the death knell of my first marriage. Newcastle United was mentioned in my my divorce. Wow. Something else you said. That the the whole aspect of the the change when when we talked about fan ownership and you talked about the fear and you talked about the conversations yeah, you had terrified yeah you were horrified that, that, that turned our that turned our thinking completely on its head and that's why we started to to listen and to look and to have discussions yeah. with people who we thought could run the football club could yeah. afford to buy the football club. That's why we had the, the, the Canadian guys who came who were interested. That's why we threw out the likes of of the, the organisation right at the very start, if you remember. The guys who yeah. said, oh, we'll come in. It was Graham Roberts, remember, and David Speedy. Aye. You know, yeah. that's why we oh, said God, no one no one first meeting with them was horrendous. They something to do with, with a, 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 a multi a multi-billionaire organisation that had their fingers in dozens of pies in media, in sport, in building, etc. Very similar to the to the group that's now been put together by PCP with the PIF, with the financial model, and with the Rubens with the brains in terms of the getting into the integration with the city. That's why we looked at the Canadians back in 2014, and that's why we were interested in what they had to say. We're interested yep, in what they were offering. The fact that we didn't, it didn't move any further than it did, and we, and we got pretty close. We got an offer, <laughs> and we got an offer accepted. And, 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 same as it is. We're talking 111 million pounds, yep. and then got dumped on with 200 million pounds worth of debt, you know, which immediately went, "Whoa, this is not what we're what we're talking about." But this is the sort of thing that we've that we've we've done. This is the sort of track, and this is why we've moved on. This is why we've moved along that path from the fear of fans running a football club to getting people who we know can work with fans. And it's working with fans and it's understanding and having people 
in at the top level who will speak to fans, listen to fans and act accordingly, act in the right way that will support what we're looking for as fans and listen to us. And that's why we're, that's why, that's why NUFC Fans United was set up because we wanted to still communicate when the, when, when the trust did not want to speak to Newcastle United, when the trust did everything they could to not speak to Newcastle United, we set up NUFC fans on the back of guys like John Wolf, but more importantly, people, people who were part of John Wolf's group who came to us and said, you've got to speak to the club. I, you've got to encourage I, them and speak to and them. And I remember you, you personally being called a collaborator yeah. by an individual yeah. for trying to just keep communication with the club going, which yeah. was just, just a disgrace, absolute disgrace. And we put up with that constantly, constantly. And it's that, if, if, I'm, if I've got a gripe, it's that. Come back and tell me that I was wrong. Come back and tell me that it was wrong to try and no. convince the club of the ways that they were going were wrong and trying to move things on. But when you're doing it as a one-man band or a three-man band or a ten-man uh, band, when you haven't got the, the back of the masses, it's never, ever going to happen. But we plugged away and plugged away. We got the fans forum back on board in 2014. The trust got themselves thrown off within a week. They were gone. They didn't come back. Every single meeting, we tried to get them back on and tried to you, convince you, them. You were the person that fought hardest to get them back in. Fought constantly at every meeting to tell them to let them back in. Eventually, they let them back in. Then, the, then they did what they did at the last, at the last, what was the last fa full fans forum. They dragged on for three hours, three and a half hours, and the representative decides, you know what? I'm not even going to sign the minutes off because I don't think it's a true representation. The first time he'd ever attended a meeting, by the way, the first time, and then to do that. To <coughs> And then the club spends two weeks waiting for him to agree. And then the, the stories are going out in the press that are turning around and going, you know what? It's it's the club. It's the club. They won't put the minutes out. It's the, it's the duplicitiveness of the nature of, of what they're about. And that's, that's what a noise is. And so those guys, if they want to come back and they want to come at me and they want to have a go at me, and, and Steve knows exactly what I'm talking about. They can, but I'll tell them and, and ring us up and I'll tell them what they've done wrong or I'll tell them why I'm annoyed with them. I'll tell them why I'm upset with them. But you know what? They've got a team. They want to buy the football club. They want 1%. One, one Let them have it. Go. I wish you all the best, lads. Wish you all the best. But I think everybody has said around this room or around this little, little table today exactly what they think of what what it can achieve. There are better ways of discussing things with a football club than owning 1%. And you know what? Boris Johnson, if he's going to put anything in place, if he's going to put legislation in place that somebody needs to be on the board, it's not even going to need 1%. It's just the legislation that's going to give you it if that's what it's going to end up. I very much yep. doubt it'll end up like that, by the way. Brilliant stuff. Great. Uh, do, 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 do you know what it is? In all the years, we've talked about Ashley out and what have you. Keith's the first person I've seen who's gently held the door open and said, can I help you out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff. And, and that's the way it should be. 
Lots of people delighted that we've had a Steve Hasty rant. We've had nothing for a while. <laughs> He's been warming up. He's been warming up the last few weeks, but we've definitely got one tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there we go, Steve. Fantastic stuff. Now, we've got to try and cram everything else in to the last half hour, which uh, is is no mean feat, but we'll get it done. Uh, let's move on to Steve Hasty's uh, regular slot. Gonna need me specs again, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, and they get, <laughs> the writing gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. Tweet yeah. of the week is 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 uh, Steve Hasty's little uh, little sample. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we have to select a few as well. Uh, this was this was this was a good one on uh, on Saturday from John Smith. He wasn't he wasn't bitter at all, was he, Steve? No. Class. You know, it was only three two. We only beat them again. Dear me. Cockneys, eh? What can you say about them? I hate Newcastle. They live in my, <laughs> rent free in my head with hatred. Don't even care. Horrible club. Cheers, yeah. John. Happy Cheers, with that. See you next season <laughs> for, another six, for another six points. Um, yes. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, Keith Parker. This was a good one as well. Yeah, as our defender is out for the rest of the season with injury, and we don't have a replacement. We should get an emergency loan player like Peter Brad did. <laughs> yeah. Or is it just rigged by the EFL? <laughs> Every season. Nice, oh, to, see the, nice to see the Magams having an absolute meltdown at absolute the minute. Right? And you know what's going to happen? They're going to get Charlton in the playoffs again. Yes, they're coming along. Coming along in a little clown car, and I'm just waiting for the wheels to pop off. Yeah, I'll read this one, Steve. Uh, on, unless you can, on. unless you can see. But this was this was another. No, no, this was another Sunderland one from Kieran. He says, "At Pompey and Sunderland, we actually have our own Super League. It's called League One, where we are assured the promotion or relegation each season." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there has been a meltdown on the SAFC t- uh, timeline. Uh, here's a la- the last couple. Um, this one was the uh, the second place. Uh, yes. Now this this. This is great, Massive. isn't it? Massive. Dad, you know, um, a huge lesson learned over the last 40 hours. Obviously, he's talking about the, the, the ASL department. <laughs> it's a tough job owning a club, no doubt about it. Mistakes will be made, absolutely. And I'm sure John will, will know what, we, what he's getting at. Run your club well, make money, increase the value of your investment, but never forget what it's really all about. And then he's put the little quote at the bottom, which is obviously the, the famous quote of uh, Sir Bobby Robson. But absolutely, absolutely spot on. That's what that's what owning a football club's about. Communication. Yeah, and this was your winner, Steve. Yeah, this is the winner. Now, obviously, if we're blanked out the top bit and you go, you pick up the ball here, what do you do? And there's a player, he's ahead of the he's ahead, he's breaking in. And I thought, classic from Ruben, he goes, you'll get penalised for handball. It's real <laughs> if you pick the ball up. <laughs> and you know what? That's the wit. That's the humour that, that we, we go on and on about with Twitter. The humour, just a little sharp, absolutely brilliant. Somebody puts something up and thinks he's dead clever, and then somebody comes back with, like, wham. And, it, and, and then you know what? The answer's spot on. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, that is your tweet of the week. Great stuff. And as you know, we uh, always uh, have qtechshop.co.uk to thank for giving away um, a prize once a month on the show. And uh, we have a selection of Q, uh, clues over the uh, over the space of the four weeks. And... Uh, 
this is this week's clue. So you should have the other two clues down. I'll go through them all next week. This is your third clue. 58 in UFC appearances and six goals. That is 58 in UFC appearances and six goals. So write that answer down to... Uh, to accompany the other clues that you were given at the start of the month, and I think we'll be down to our last clue next week. Do you think the pro photograph's linked as well, Steve? Well, it could be. That's High Bridge Street, isn't it? Yeah, looks like uh, it. High Bridge Street, heading towards the uh, the big market. I know, I know, the, I know the answer. That's heading towards the Beehive, isn't he? Yeah, the right. Duke of Wellington there on the right. left-hand side. Right. No, you've just given it away. Yeah, okay, well, I will go. Well, write it down, guys. And we, as we always know, the four clues does, doesn't necessarily give the answer because it's always a question about that player. Right. Getting the player is the easy bit, um, it, it turns out. It's when he comes up with something else. So uh, we'll give the next clue uh, next week. And um, what I'm going to do is, because obviously we've only got 20 minutes left and I want to focus on the, uh, the game coming up against Liverpool, I'm going to get the cut out. Troll of the week. I know everybody loves that theme music, and uh, yeah, well, there's been been quite some trolling. Um, we'll start with a well-known journalist um, who uh, wasn't having a pop at me. Um, he was having a pop at Keith. Um, <laughs> Luke Edwards got rid of a weirdo called Keith from my world. He likes writing letters, but nothing he said would happen has has yet. He sounded more deranged and was part of a bedraggled mob today, suggesting I should lose my job for not blindly believing the Saudi takeover will happen. Block is bliss. So you probably didn't see that, uh, Keith, but there you go. That's that's a contender. Um, next up, Fraser Wilson. I have no issues with NCSL and hope the action goes well. But Steve Wraith is a fantasist with no inside knowledge at all. His exaggerated claims of links to the craze are as embarrassing as his in-the-know claims about the takeover. In short, the man talks utter shite. And from Carlos Andrew, uh, Steve Wraith. Trying to act like an NUFC messiah, when in fact he's a leech using the takeover agenda for his personal gain. Enjoy whilst you can, as you'll be just like every other schmuck once this takeover is resolved. Um, yeah, they, they were in the uh, top three, uh, but we're going to go. We're going to go for uh, Robbie, who just calls us a Tory twat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, <laughs> the winner, the winner is the winner, the winner is this just purely because I haven't heard this phrase for a long time. Stephen Dixon, Steve Wraith, Bell End. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, keeping it real, guys. And uh, here it goes. I know you love it. Unbelievable, isn't it? Wow. Social media. Well, who we've got to thank for that, I'll never know. Okay. Uh, as everybody knows who tunes in, we always look ahead to the game. Mr. Keith's busy working out his prediction as we speak. Um, we're all going to have a new Food Bank t-shirt up for grabs. Here it is. Um, you'll be able to bid for that. Mystic Mag. Hashtag staying up. There it is. There's Keith. Um, so that'll be going onto my timeline at Steve Wraith. I'll pin it at the top. I'm glad to say that the Steve Wraith is God t-shirt went for £150. So uh, I know that uh, that was very gratefully received by Steve Hasty in the food bank. So thanks yeah. for George uh, all the way across in America 
forbidden for that and sparing my blushes because it was only a 25 pound when i was plugging it on monday uh but uh, yeah that will be the new t-shirt that's going up um but as you know we have our resident stato who uh, gives us his uh, gives us his views oh, and stats good evening let's newcastle play one of the founding members of the Super League on Saturday, early kickoff again. Super League, that famous competition that existed between the 19th of April 2021 and 20th of April 2021. We don't have a great record at Anfield. Uh, in 25 games, only one win, four draws and 20 defeats. Actually, our last win at Anfield is uh, on the 29th of November 1995 in the League Cup. Uh, one new with that famous uh, solo effort by Steve Watson and uh, his Maisie run. And uh, one good omen for the game on Saturday is that our only win in the Premier League at Anfield came also in the month of April, back in uh, 1994 with uh, goals by um, Andy Cole and Rob Lee. Out of the current squad, actually no player has scored at Anfield for us. And only Dwight Gale and Paul Dummett have scored against Liverpool in the Premier League, but uh, both of their goals came at St. James's Park. We have scored only 22 goals in 25 games at Anfield. And actually, our top scorers there are Tino Asprilla, Alan Shearer and Liverpool on goal. Two, two each. So, judging by all this, it's a 100% win on Saturday. Good stuff, good, good stuff. Yeah, as always, Keith, good stuff. Uh, we're going to come straight to you because you're the mystic mag. Um, what did you make of what Andrea had to say? It's not a happy hunting ground, Anfield. Yeah, it? no, it's, it's an awful place to go to. And uh, I think Saturday morning gives, you know, makes you feel more optimistic. Like you say, you're looking forward to the state, which you wouldn't normally look forward to. It. If we were struggling for points, we wouldn't look forward to it. But for me, um, I've got a record to defend now. So I've done three predictions, it's all come true. I've done loads of predictions to Masters and Hoffman and loads of predictions to Boris Johnson. So I think I should not give a result this week because if I do and I get it wrong, I'll like lose my touch. So this week I'm going to predict that Liam Kennedy is going to um, come up with some news that will uh, shake things up a bit. Um, I think Liam Kennedy is going to, going to have a massive article this week. That's, that's my prediction. Um, if I was going to predict, I was going to say a 1-1 draw, but, but I'm not going to predict because because be back in my head, my me, me, me heart's saying that, but my head's saying we'll probably get turned over. Um, and, and I think Liverpool's coming back a bit to what from what they were. They, they've been playing rubbish, but I don't know. You see, you see signs of recovery. I mean, they, 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 anybody could be. When Fulham played them, they were really poor. Um, there's a few things happening in the week. And, and I look at it, I've been watching what people are saying, and I put, for me, we, we, you know, and the, and the, I spoke to the club this week, they said they think, they think they're one result away, like one, three points away from being safe. That's what, they, that's what on their calculations, they think they need another three points, and then we're not going to get caught. I think it's right. I mean, I, don't, I just don't see it. I'm not even sure they'll need them three points. And I don't see Liverpool being a game that you would put it down to do it, but... Um, I think it'll be a needle match. I think the players at Liverpool have done nothing wrong, neither of the fans and neither of the manager. So, so 
I think they're fighting a bit to say, you know, everyone's giving us a load of shit, we're getting a load of crap. So I think they'll fight back on that. And Liverpool need to win that game. With Newcastle, if we win that game, if we were to get a result, I think I, I go back, I, I still think you've got to drop the likes of Shelby. I think that you'll not, you'll not beat Liverpool putting John Joe Shelby on the start. He left him on last week and he had a booking in the first half and he should have took him off. And then when he, when he, later in the game, he brings Willig on uh, and, he, and he leaves Shelby, he takes Longstaff off. So I, I, I don't get the decisions. I think we have got the luckiest manager in the Premier League. Um, Team-wise, I'd go with what we had. Um, I've heard that, um, again, it's usually right what I get told. I've heard that with a, with a week ahead of them, uh, Wilson's much further forward, so I think Wilson will start. And uh, I, I haven't been told that, I've just heard he, he's had a good week. And I've heard that um, St Maxim's has recovered quite well. So, so if you don't start with St Maxim, I think the result's different. I think it makes that much of a difference to us. Um, and I, I believe that Newcastle Liverpool tomorrow, I think Liverpool's got more to do and win than we've got. I still I think we in that comfort zone now where where we think so drop Shelby start with Willock put a team out like that I think we get a draw start with Shelby I think we get beat right okay well obviously it's a 12.30 kickoff live on BT Sports just before Mitch gives us his uh, views just let you know Isaac Hayden and Jamal Asells of course remain out Fabian Shaw is back in training but he won't be match fit uh, Bruce did confirm at the press conference today that Callum Wilson uh, ASM are both fully fit. Ryan Fraser with his groin, Carl Darlow with his knee are unavailable after operations and aren't expected to play again this season. As for Liverpool, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson, Joe Matip and Virgil van Dijk are all still out. Curtis Jones and Nat Phillips are both doubtful. And uh, obviously, Jurgen uh, Klopp's side have had be, have been on a bit of a slide. They got a one-one draw on Monday night, of course, against Leeds. And uh, Andrea Mariner will be refereeing, and on VAR, let's hope we don't need it. Is uh, Andy Madeley? So uh, yeah, over to you, uh, Mitch. My feeling about tomorrow is it's a free hit. What do we have to lose? And that's that's the mentality. I hope we sent the team out with. Got no lose. You got no lose. Everybody's going to expect we to lose. Everybody's going to expect we to get get seen off. Um, so just go for it. Have a go. Make we're proud. Just have a damn good go. It's a free hit. The the the, the win against West Ham, and and then Fulham's result has just given us enough of a buffer that tomorrow is a free hit. So take your free hit. Let's have a go. That's what I'd like to see. See, I'm I'm hanging on to an omen tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be joined by a German friend out here whose other half is one of San Pauli's top boys. And uh, she's never watched the game with us and seen Newcastle lose. So that's that's one of my omens tomorrow. Um, it, it's, it's the tiny little threads that you cling to as a supporter that says, yeah, we might have a hope. Um well, I just honestly just hope we're sent out with nothing to lose. And actually, I, I fancy a draw tomorrow. And I don't know why I've got nothing, nothing sane inside me says that that's, that's a result that it should be. But that's what I fancy tomorrow. Because oh. genuinely, I would hope we're going to just be sent out with a little bit of gay abandon, as it were. 
Okay, John, what about you? Uh, are you as confident? Do you think um, Neil's right? Do you think it's a bit of a free hit? Uh, do you think they'll be, or do you think they'll have the flip flops on? Do you think, do you think the protests, which is guaranteed to be tomorrow, will affect the team because they're so used to having the support of the supporters um, at Anfield? It's you know the atmosphere down there. We've all been it tears on the back of your neck stuff when you go down, um, but. Tomorrow, like Arsenal tonight, um, I would imagine there's going to be big protests. Yeah, I think that's right. A little bit like Mitch, I think uh, these weird anomalies, if you hang on to little things like this girl has never seen will lose, they are exactly the sort of things that you cling on to. Tomorrow, I think we'll have a back five. And unfortunately, I think Shelby will be. Uh, will be there. But I think a draw is a possibility. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of confidence. I, I, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm in the same kind of mindset at the minute. Steve, what about you? Uh, some interesting calls from Mitch. I'm a little bit worried about who the uh, the German lady is that uh, from Sao Paulo. But uh, I'm sure that uh, that that that'll come to... Come to fruition at some point in time, Mitch. I'm sure that's a story for another day. We'll leave that one. Um, you know what? Uh, looking at looking at them, I, I think they're a, I think they're a team that you go at. I think at the moment the way that the Liverpool yeah. this season they're a team you go at. I think you go down. I think you go down the wings. I think you 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 combat their attacking prowess of of Alexander Arnold on one side and Robertson on the other, and I think that's where you can exploit them uh, because if you pin them back. And you've got you've got two the two weak links in that team, which is obviously the two central defenders, and you've got Wilson who's fit, or they're saying he's fit, and he and he his mobility and the ability of, of Almiron and uh, San Maxim to exploit the space that can be created. You put them under pressure. You don't take the pressure yourselves. You put them under pressure. That's why I wouldn't go like Johnson in a back five. I wouldn't be going for a back five, but I'm sure he will. Um, and and. The, the midfield is not is not pulling up trees. That they're a they're a they're a team. I think they're a team in transition. To be perfectly honest, I think that I think we'll see a different Liverpool next season. I think they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to change the style of play. They're going to have to change some personnel. Um, and I'm always an advocate when you go away to somewhere like Liverpool. And as Mitch says, it's a free hit. What you do is you you go out there and and you you don't give them the respect by sitting back. You go there and you hit them. You go there. You're not frightened of them. You don't. You don't. Because why should you be frightened of them? Because of their reputation. That's 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 it's ridiculous. What you do is you go out there and you build. Then you put your team together and you go, lads, get out there and hit them. Go out there and sort them out. And I think honestly, think they're a, they're a, they're a, they're there for the taking. And. Six other teams have done it this season. At least six teams did it on the trot. Six lower teams than us. So it's it's there. Go out there, yeah. build the confidence, be the proper manager that you are, and get get that team. And you know what, Steve Bruce, ex-Man United player, he he must have a dis a, a dislike of Liverpool. He must have a dislike of Liverpool. His dislike of Liverpool on the football pitch is probably that probably. Ten times more than ours, you know. I, I have a respect for, for, I have respect for certain fans at Liverpool. I have respect for the way that they've that they've got together with the Everton lads on the food bank and stuff like that. 
this is a football match now. It's match day, so you know it. I, I can I can dispel all that. I can throw all that away, and uh, I can say, go at them, hit them, hammer them, kick them off the pot if you have to. But remember, you're wearing the black and white shirts tomorrow. Remember, you're wearing the black and white shirts, and remember everything that we've been talking about today, the pride that we have in the football club. And I want to see, I want to see footballers that are now having that same pride as we have. And uh, it's going to be heart ruling my head again, isn't it? You know, and I'm going to go, I, th- I think we can do them tomorrow. I think we can do them two, two, one. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Positive. God, you know, when you look back at the way we were a few months back, you know, it was doom yeah. and gloom. None of us could, none of us could predict there. Uh, none of us would have predicted, would have been predicting these kind of score lines. but yeah, it just shows, it just shows what a difference uh, a few months makes. I've got to give uh, this a bit of a mention. Um, well done to uh, Akeley Head on Twitter. Um, who? He, well, yeah. Look, he's he's, he's an artist. Um, he's he's you know, MW is his is he, are his initials. He's been doing a few sketches and um, obviously just getting himself through lockdown and um, and whatever. But uh, he knocked that up. It's a few people there, a few familiar faces. I think Mitch is down there in the bottom right. I'm not sure uh, if he's on there. I, I'm no, not sure. What, I'm what not a great, what a great bit of artwork. Like, that's fantastic. Well done, lad. Well done. Yeah. I mean, he just shared it on Twitter. I can see Sav on there. I can see Ken. I can see Amanda, I can see Katie, I can see a few other faces, but um, yeah, just just something a bit different. And uh, well, well done to you for uh, for doing that. So thanks very much, can I, Steve. Steve, can I just read out a, a, a message I got from my cousin over in Canada? Of course this you is can. Like, you know, this is like obviously we're talking about fans, we're talking about overseas fans, and you know, it's been part of the conversation today. And he just says, "Hi, Steve. I see Klopp is prison, uh, Joe Linton." Maybe he's willing to pay forty million for him. Yes, <laughs> 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 Brendan. Brendan's in Montreal, in Canada. He's 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 a great lad. He's my he's my cousin. He's he's been black and white through and through from the day he was born. Uh, he's Canadian Air Force, uh, Canadian Airway, everything. You know, obviously been in Canada since nineteen seventy seven, but he's still. Turns up, he still watches Newcastle United week in, week out. Him and his dad, black and white through and through, and uh, that's what it's. That's this is this is what we're on about. This is the this is what Newcastle fans, you know, wherever you are in the world. Mitch is in Dubai, he's in Canada. We've got lads in Australia, Singapore, you name it, all around the world. And this is what we've got to grasp a hold of. We've got to get a hold of Newcastle fans and bring them together and bring them back to the fold. And what a force we are. When we when we work together, what a it's, force we are! It's my one, one regret when chair of the trust was I genuinely didn't understand the expat fan base. Yeah, the we are do now, and if I understood it then, the we are do now, there's a load of things I would have done different. Yeah, load it's of a bit, It's a pity that the club didn't understand the expat fan base or the fan base as as a whole. Because when I was fans liaison officer, I put together a whole list of all of the supporters clubs all over the world. They never ever utilised it. You know what I mean? And I put I put a tweet out there about that this week. You know, the fans liaison officer. I completely agree. A fan on the board doesn't work. Having yeah. a fans liaison officer and an elected fans liaison Definitely. committee for me Definitely. that does work yeah. because. Yeah. You know, that's, that, but, but, but when you have people attacking it, which is what happened when I was in that position, and, the, and, and Lee Marshall's been in that position over the years at the football club, it, it hasn't got a chance because you've got people with an agenda belittling that person in that position. Yeah, and we've got that's, people that, that's when, who we've just had on, right. who's our statue from Bulgaria, who's black and white yeah. through and through, and, and 
probably as black and white as I am, and you are, and and Mitch and Keith and and John, you know, because that's this is his club, you know. So let's get a hold of it, let's embrace it, and you're, you're absolutely right. And big big shout out to the lads like Andre, you know, I absolutely, you know, massive respect for them. Massive yeah. respect. Alan Blaylock says. Alan says 2:30 a.m. in Hong Kong. Well, we're the sleepless night. You see, that, that's that's from a time when everything was your fault, Steve. You Tory twat. Can I just say, you Steve, you Tory twat. Now everything's Steve Hasty's fault. You know. So I've told everybody it's Steve Hasty's fault. If I was in Hong Kong, if I was in Hong Kong, I'd be in one quiet phone now. I wouldn't be watching this show, man. I've got to admit. Before you get controversial, um, <laughs> you couldn't get any more. By the way, we've got a couple other things to slot, slot in. Uh, maybe it's the wrong terminology to use for this. Gary Neville needs to be more Quite careful so, maybe. when he's making references to uh, things on TV. I did Google the definition of a bottle merchant, which is what he was calling the clubs at the, P, uh, at the PL, the EPL. <laughs> and um, adult slang, it was a male prostitute specialising in anal copulation, usually as the receiver. So maybe... Maybe it's not the thing you should be using on this. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, Steve, Steve, Rich knocked at the back doors in last week. It was, I. Well, I'm just getting myself out of that particular hole, you see. Now, the other thing that I've seen. From one hole to another, we're going to the black hole in Sunderland. Ex, ex Sunderland chief Bob Murray's Newcastle United takeover claim this tickled me this week in the Chronicle. If Newcastle United is sold to the PCP part, as consortium with backing from the Saudi Public Investment Fund, it'll be the saddest day in the club's history. Well, we don't where, need to know that from bloody Bob Murray, do we? God, oh, where, where did the dig one more seat Bob up from? Where did he reemerge from? And he's also telling us that Mike Ashley's a good bloke and a good owner. Well, of course, he will. He's a man for God's sake. Um, we've lost John sadly, he's been a great guest there. Big happy birthday to Darren Huckabee today and it would have been uh, also the late great Frank Brennan's birthday as well cup, cup legend 51 52 55 I wish I'd seen him play uh, don't forget I'm back tomorrow uh, with the match day live squad bang on 12 o'clock uh, another early lunch for me but it's Newcastle United of course travelling to Anfield uh, you've heard the predictions uh, big thanks to, uh, to Joe Walker as well who was um, he's going to uh, going to be doing a, a little bit of a regular for us on uh, Bettons and uh, he says Liverpool are clear favourites at 9-2 uh, on with an informed Newcastle a very tempting 11-1 the draw's coming in at 11-2 which is also worth a punt Newcastle are 28-1 28-1 to win 1-0 2-1 is 33-1 and Liverpool 2-0 is as short as 6-1. Goal scorers, Wilson is 11-4 to score any time. Big Joe, 9-2 uh, and a special Newcastle 7-2 to win either half. Uh, obviously, bet safely and bet well, but uh, big thanks to Joe Walker for sending that. That's going to become a regular feature. Quick one, Steve. Just to, just to say, Frankie Brennan's wife, Mrs Brennan, was our teacher at St Columbus in Wall's End in the late 60s. And uh, when they won the Amateur Cup, when Norshears won the Amateur Cup and he was the manager, he brought the Amateur Cup to the school for all to see it. We all thought it was the FA Cup, by the way. But, uh, you know, it's little things like that, you know, as a school kid that you remember, like 40, 50 years on. And uh, what a great player he was. What a great bloke he was for South Shields and North Shields. And, and taking, taking North Shields to win the Amateur Cup in, in that in that sort of era was a, a marvellous achievement and it, it kind of put 
the northeast back on the map, especially in the amateur game, you know, is and it, it's like it's 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 just one of those little things that you remember as a kid when somebody like Frankie Brennan turns up with his and he's because he's because his wife's the your teacher and he brings the cup to your school, you know, great days, absolutely brilliant days. There's some lads in Walls End, I'm sure, who'll remember that. There's probably some lads in Walls End who won't, but hey. That's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Uh, happy St. George's Day to everybody out there as well. I hope you've had a good one. Um, it's good night from me. It's good night from John. It's good night from Keith. It's good night from Mitch. And it's good night from Steve Hasty. You can catch me at 8 o'clock. I need to go and get a, a quick visit to the loo. Uh, and then maybe another glass of water and another coffee because I'm going unloaded mag at 8 o'clock. Yep. Uh, um, with uh, with the lads, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, having a chat with Martin, Daz, Rich, and Chris. Uh, lads, epic show tonight. Epic show. Um, have a have a good weekend, and I'll see you where uh, all again. I'll well, see you two Thanks. lads for the retro show Wednesday, and I'll see you Keith next Friday for Red uh, Friday Amigos. Yeah, definitely. Have a great week, lads. Take care, Thank lads. Talking to myself again But it's the only way